You're listening to a Mornings with Kelly and Steve podcast. Be sure to check us out every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on Moody Radio. Right now, I want to say good morning and welcome to Adam Griffin. Adam is lead pastor of Eastside Community Church in Dallas, Texas. He's also host of the Family Discipleship Podcast. You're going to get to know him a little bit. He's married to Chelsea Lane, got three sons, Oscar, Gus, and Theodore, and just happens to be author of the Bible study, When Wrong Seems Right. It's a kid's Bible study on making good choices. Adam, good morning. Good morning, Kelly. Thanks for having me on. Oh, man, I appreciate your time, and I love this Bible study, and I was sharing earlier this morning that um, when I first became a Christian like a thousand years ago, <laughs> that's what it feels <laughs> like, I loved uh, resources like this. There, there were not many like what you've put together, but I would take, um, for instance, I, I want to share this with you so you'll understand why I am so glad that you put this together, because I wish I would have had something like this in my hands when I first became a Christian. My first Bible um, my mother got for me, she just picked it up at a garage sale. It was very plainly written, easy to understand. I think I was nine years old, couldn't put it down. But then as I got a little bit older, I think I was 11 or 12, and um, I was going to a Sunday school class and then a, a Wednesday evening Bible study for kids, and she got me a King James Bible. And I'm talking the old language. And okay. for a kid, I my mind was just blown. I'm like, I, I can't. and um, thighs and thous. Uh-huh. I couldn't understand it. And uh, then when I, I, I became older and, you know, officially asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior and, and gave my life to him, I knew I couldn't cope with that King James because I just wasn't understanding it. <laughs> but what I did is I went back and I got my children's Bible and I kind of used that as a resource. And I know that sounds oversimplified, but that actually helped me as a very young Christian to understand what I was reading in a word that was difficult for me to understand. And I was looking at when wrong seems right, and I thought, man, you know, this is even really a good refresher for adults, and we need to go through this with our kids. Yeah, and I'm so uh, it's glad designed you- so that a kid could do it on their own, but it's also something I would love to see parents do. And certainly we've got friends that are brand new believers, and they've really benefited, similar to you, to children's resources. or They're just at a great entry levels. They're, I wouldn't call it surface level because it still goes deep, but uh, an entry level because it's accessible in a way that a lot of other resources are not created to be. Oh, it really is. And so I was tickled to get my hands on it. Tell me about why you put this together and and where the idea came from. I mean, obviously, this is straight out of God's Word, but what what made you say, man, our, our kids need something like this? Well, I, you know, I pastor a church, but a lot of my free time I spend working on family discipleship. Our, our podcast, I write on family discipleship, and there's a lot of resources out there for little kids. Like you just described a children's Bible. There, there are a lot of options for children's Bibles, and there's even a lot of resources for teenagers, college kids, people that will read on their own. But there's a disturbing lack of resources for kids in this age group. We're really aiming with this Bible study for kids 8 to 12, 
And it's that that age where kids are able to start reading on their own, can study on their own, although certainly would help their, to have their parents assist them in it. There's not a lot of resources for that age group. And so Moody put together this series of kids' Bible studies, and I was honored to contribute in an Old Testament study. Here we picked the Proverbs because uh, that the whole design of the Proverbs is a father and mother asking their son not to abandon their teaching, to train up children in the way they should go. And so it lent itself very easily to helping kids see that God has called them to something important. And then in addition, you know, you'll know this, Kelly, our culture is not in love with the way of God. Our culture mm. is not uh, teaching the same things the Bible teaches. And what Proverbs says is there is a way that is going to seem right, but in the end it leads to death. And so we felt like writing a Bible study for kids, knowing that they're growing up in a culture that's going to have a lot of beliefs and ways that seem right is going to be so important for these kids to be able to discern and distinguish what is true and help them see in God's word how God has not left them to their own devices, but given them a lot of insight into what is true as they make their decisions. You know, there. I'm, I'm opening it up and I'm looking at it right now, and there are some really important moral lessons in here for kids to learn. And the way you've put it together, it does not go sailing over their heads at all. And I would love for you to address some of the lessons, just to kind of share with our listening family, that kids in this age group that you've aimed this Bible study at, um, some of the lessons that they're going to learn through Proverbs and how you address it, because it's very kid-friendly, and like I said, it, it does not sail over their heads. One of the questions that I just opened up to is, and, and I think this is so appropriate even for adults, like I said, Adam, why do you think it's hard for us to enjoy serving other people more than being served? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of those that I hope are, are really accessible, but also uh, challenging questions for people of all ages, but certainly that these kids, 8 to 12, can start to think through and process. We In every lesson, we have cross-references from a proverb to a New Testament verse, so the kids are learning to study the Bible for themselves. Some of my favorite lessons in there are like the age-appropriate version of talking to kids in this age group about uh, images they might see online or in TV or things they might hear in music, kind of media. And we use the proverb that says, uh, can a man hold a fire close to his chest and not be burned? which might be not intuitive at first, but we help kids understand what that verse is saying is can you really do something that is dangerous, be close to something dangerous and not be affected by it, not face the consequences mm -hmm. of it? Because again, we have a culture that'll teach there's a lot of things that are really harmless and you can kind of watch whatever you want, listen to whatever you want. It doesn't really have an impact on you. But then you read the proverb that says, can you really hold fire close to your chest and expect not to be burned? In other words, are these sins really victimless? Is it not damaging to you? And so we find an age-appropriate way to discuss things like that. And, uh, you know, we address relationships, virtues, vices, sin. And, you know, uh, it'd be really easy in the Proverbs to make it all about uh, morality and about behaviorism or even moralism. But there's also a, a recurring theme of grace. You know, the Proverbs also tell us that he who confesses and forsakes his sin will obtain mercy. And we come back to that theme over and over and over again, that God is giving us a way to walk, but he also provides grace since every one of us will wander. And so while we're not satisfied with that wandering, we want to follow God. There is grace and mercy for the sinner, which is our good news, the gospel. How do you answer kids' questions? Um, I'm, I'm curious how you would address this as a pastor, Adam, um, as they're going through, because I mean, they are just, and as we all are, they are surrounded by the culture, but I find kids' hearts especially to be um, 
tender toward their their peers and at that age that you've you've geared this study toward um you know kids seem to i'm trying to think of how i want to word this uh they they seem to be very concerned about um other kids being treated fairly and and justly and how do you how do you answer their questions? Because um, you're talking about God's grace also, but you're, you're talking about, you know, the fact that there is sin in the world and not getting too close to that fire. And they're right. seeing things more so at a younger age than probably you or I ever did. And they're having to maybe develop a certain maturity at a younger age than you and I ever did. And they're, they're having to grow to understand things quicker than we probably did. And how do you... How do you answer their questions about extending grace but not coming close to that sin when they're they're seeing maybe their friends who at a young, very young age are engaging in things that they shouldn't be? Am right. I making sense? Yeah, I, I think okay. there's, a, there's a lot there. In, in this age group is typically when you start to see a shift in a young man or woman where peers go from being just their buddies and their parents as their authorities to peers become their authorities on things. Mm-hmm. They, they look to their friends to say what's true and what's not. Yeah. And my, your parents start to seem wrong, which again is what the Proverbs warns us against. If my parents are wrong, maybe God is wrong. And your peers go from being just your buddies that your parents let you hang out with to the people that will define what's true for you. And so it's so important, you know, this is what we establish in our family, that we always talk about how the Bible is our authority on everything, how God is our authority on everything. And we don't pull any punches. We tell them there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be confusing this world because there's going to be uh, things your friends will say or do that seem right. And the truth is that a lot of sin will be fun. It will delight your heart to do things that are disobedient. That's what our sin is. Our hearts are twisted into a desire for things that do not honor God. So we don't just follow our hearts. We don't just uh, chase our own desires. We don't just chase what feels good, but we trust that God knows better. So there's all sorts of illustrations I use in that. One that I've used a lot lately is that pretty much everybody in America has locks on their doors. Whether you use them or not, you have locks on your doors. And the reason we use those locks is typically to keep something out. We create a limit on our house to keep something out. And that's the same thing God does with his laws. Our kids will start to think as God's laws and limits as something that keeps them in. That's something that is robbing them of something. But the truth is God gave them limits and restrictions to protect them from something. He said, this is going to be your limit. I don't want you to lie. I don't want you to commit adultery. I don't want you to covet because I care about you and I love you. And this is the age when kids start to see their peers go, no, 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 this is a delight. Sin is, sin is fun. Sin is great. We pursue these things and, and maybe God is even wrong on this because that's not the way I feel. And we start to chase our feelings as facts. And that is undone by believing that the truth in God's word trumps all of our feelings. Mm. What At what age do you feel that, um, because, you know, as, as I had mentioned, I'm, I'm just using myself as an example, and I know that other people may have, especially parents with very young kids. I mean, when I remember when I had my son, and my first thought as I'm holding this tiny baby is, I have got to bring you up in the ways of the Lord and in the fear of the Lord. And, you know, at what age do you you feel is appropriate? To, and we, we teach our kids. I, I would look for object lessons to, sure. to start talking to him, you know, about the Lord and, and to teach him things that are, you know, th- things that he could see with his own eyes. But at what age do you feel is appropriate for kids to sit down and really begin to dig in 
to God's word and um, start to study it for themselves. I mean, how how do we do that? How do we know yeah. as parents when when that is a, a good time for them to do that? Because I don't want I don't want parents to feel overwhelmed in this, and I don't want kids to feel overwhelmed. How do we know? Yeah, that's a good question, Kelly. And I think for some reason in our culture, we'll set apart our spiritual maturity in a way that we wouldn't any other academic pursuit or any other pursuit. So if uh, if a kid in eight to 12 year old age group said, uh, this girl has dance practice three times a week, or this boy has baseball practice twice a week, no one would blink an eye. But if we said, hey, we have our kids read the Bible on their own twice a week, people would be like, wow, that's excessive. Or if we said we disciple our kids every day, or we go to church every Sunday, or we pray together as a family every night, people might think, oh, that's excessive. My kid can't handle that. And we go, man, there's, there's so much more importance for the soul of your child. And they can handle so much more than you think. But we make a lot of excuses because of our uneasiness around something. We would never compromise math or science or reading mm-hmm. the way many families will compromise teaching the Bible to their kids. So I would start by saying, uh, I hope that families are discipling their kids as soon as they find out that they are pregnant or they are going to adopt, that you are reading and praying and singing over this kid, even if they're not able to read, pray and sing with you. And then as far as reading the Bible for themselves, certainly by the time they are able to read anything, I hope there is some element of reading the Bible. But even before that, our kids' minds are sponges for the memorization of Scripture. So saying, repeat after me, or mommy would love to memorize this verse with you, or what does the Bible say about this, and helping them learn that, commit that to their heart. These are all things I hope we are always doing for our kids. Oh, yeah. You've got to start early, I believe. I mean, yeah, I did that with my son, but... Um I've got to ask you too, Adam. I'm I'm curious as well. Uh, I mean, you've got what three sons? Right? Yes, ma'am. I've got three sons: <laughs> twelve, ten, and eight. So they're right oh, in the wheelhouse of this man. Bible study. That has got to be a blast around your house. I just had the oh, one, and wish we would have had more. But oh, it's loved raising him up. But um, how do you how do you counsel your kids? I mean, as you're going through and studying the Bible together. And there are going to be times because we are just flesh. Um, how do you how do you counsel your kids? Because even though you are studying the word, we're not perfect. We are flesh. We right. are going to mess up. And how do you counsel them when they have chosen that thing that was wrong but seemed right, and now they realize they have done a wrong thing? How do you how do you walk with them through that? Because little kids are their tendency is to want to hide what they've done just like an adult would want to hide sure. what they've done how how do you walk with them through something like that so that they're not bound by shame which is right. again what the enemy would want them to do and and to hide it and you know how that thing can get out of control once you start to feel shame Right. And that's what people have done since the Garden of Eden, right? Is when they mess up, they hide, they feel ashamed, they try to blame somebody else. Shame and blame mm-hmm. are the, the first instincts of Adam and Eve, and they, we still deal with them today. I would say two things. Uh, one, I love to talk to parents about modeling repentance for their kids. So hopefully it's become part of your rhythm as a parent when you make a mistake, when you lose your temper, when you say something you shouldn't have said, when you forget something you should not have forgotten, that you are one who goes to your kids and said, hey, will you please forgive mom? Will you please forgive dad? I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have said that. This is not the way I should have talked to you. And in modeling for them, you're also giving them an example of how they then can repent. And what we tell our kids, if the question is, how do we counsel our kids? One of the things we talk about is specificity in repentance. So we ask our kids when they make a mistake that they look in the eye of the person who they sinned against and they don't just say, I'm sorry. They give some specificity. So if they hit their brother or if they said something unkind, they look them in the eye and say, I'm sorry that I said this to you. 
I should not have said that to you. Will you please forgive me? And so it's not as easy as just walking away and going like, I'm sorry. Now, can we be done with any consequence or punishment? But some specificity that to own everything you can in the sin you've uh, perpetrated against your brother. That's one of the ways we counsel our kids. Wow, that's so good. Um, I mean, you've got to follow that through. You can't just walk away. And that's going to be a lesson that sticks with them, too. Right. And I love that you are doing uh, a lot of cross-referencing, which you mentioned early on in our conversation, because that's got to tie the whole Word of God together for them, too, and that's got to stick with them. Yeah, so one of the things we did in each lesson is, because we're in the Proverbs, uh, it gives us a great opportunity, since Proverbs are often just one verse, they kind of stand alone, to take that proverb and point out where Jesus or his disciples or one of the epistles of Paul points out the same concept and gives it a little bit more flesh to say this is what it looks like. And so we give kids the opportunity to reach some of those higher cognitive domains by comparing a verse from the Proverbs with a verse or a section from the New Testament and saying, what do these two things have in common? What, what is the common theme or what is the, the common sense that both of these verses have? And have them draw from that some conclusions. Again, what we're trying to do with this Bible study resource is foster a sense of the ability to discern and distinguish. Mm -hmm. And part of that cognitive domain comes from the ability to look at two different things and compare them. And that's in this age group, 8 to 12 years old, one of the ways we do that in this book is cross-references. As you go through this type of a study, um, Adam, I'm I'm curious too, especially curious about this, when wrong seems right, uh, making good choices, how do you see this kind of a study changing... um, your kids' relationship with other kids, how they relate to other kids, how they recognize behaviors in other kids, and how they deal with those behaviors. Well, I hope that, again, like they are rooted in what God's Word has said about what's true enough Mm -hmm. to recognize what's not true in their friends. So we've had overt talks about friends of theirs who don't follow Jesus, and we have talks about that, about Uh, whether or not something we're choosing to do is going to honor God or not. And that's how we filter our family decisions is, does it honor God or does it not? And so when they have friends who don't love Jesus, that doesn't mean they cannot be friends with them. But we do talk about the opportunity to be a light in a dark place and who God's called us to be. And we foster in our kids as much as we can. You know, this is one of the more difficult things, but one of the most important calls for a Christian parent is to foster in them a readiness to be different and feel different because of what we believe. So, uh, for instance, in the city that I live in, in Dallas, my family actually roots for the Green Bay Packers. And so this is a a great (laughs) example of what's difficult. Sorry if that hurts anybody's feelings who's listening, but they have to, on a regular basis, be ready to say, well, if you're going to root for this sports team, be ready to put up with a lot of pushback from your friends. If you're going to wear a Packers shirt or Packers jersey, and very similarly, and and actually we use that as a jumping off point to talk about the gospel, how we're going to follow Jesus, even Mm -hmm. if all of your friends think it's foolish. Even if everybody around us thinks it's, it's really dumb, we are going to still follow Jesus. And so we foster that in them in the hopes that, you know, training up in the way they should go, they would never wander from that as they mature. And that's, while it's not a promise from the Proverbs, that is proverbially what God has called us to. And so that's our hope. That is wonderful. And, you know, the whole idea, uh, too, is hoping that your kids are going to fall in love with the Word of God, because this, this is life, I mean, the Word of God is life, and it becomes their way of life, and this is a fantastic Bible study. I mean, I'm, again, I'm, I'm flipping through this as we're talking, and I'm seeing lessons on foolishness, 
humility, don't believe everything you hear, uh, arrogance, fury is not your friend. Oh, my goodness. That's an important lesson. If you would, we just got a couple of minutes left in our time together, and this seems to be flying by, Adam. I, I, I would love for you to, if you would, just for uh, parents listening this morning, in regard to the book of Proverbs itself, uh, what are some of the important lessons that you feel that kids really can glean from Proverbs? Because I think just, you know, at, at first glance, some parents may think, well, Proverbs, that might be a little heady for kids, but you've really sure. done a beautiful job, as, as I said at the beginning, of making it something that kids can really digest. It does not go over their heads at all. Yeah, well, we take pretty much one verse from the Proverbs, so it's a bite-sized piece, and then I, I give some personal illustration in almost every lesson that, that connects it to something real. So in a lesson like, uh, let's say, I have boys. So one of the verses they delight in in the Proverbs is, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. You know, it, it's, it almost sounds silly, but it has such a powerful message. And so we take that verse and point out how what that verse is really about is not repeating the same mistake which of course Paul talks about in the New Testament, that what I don't want to do, I keep on doing. And that's the same thing. That's what it's talking about. A a fool keeps returning to his folly, keeps doing the same things he knows not to do. And every person, no matter what age you are, can relate to that. That even though you knew better, you kept doing what you, you knew you weren't supposed to. And so it's easy for us to relate that to a child through an illustration and then give them a cross-reference like Paul to pull those strings together, hopefully by the end of that lesson where they're filling out. There's usually you know seven to ten questions about in each study. So they're pulling all these strings together, and by the end, they're writing out their own personal reflections in the hopes that God is securing something in their heart that will give them an affinity for the way of God and an aversion to sin. So that's that's the lesson over and over again. And then, of course, like you pointed out already, the blessing of grace, because mm-hmm. every kid we minister to is a mistake maker. Every kid is a sinner, and so are their parents. Yeah. And so what does it look like for us to be gracious and then to hear and apply the grace of God to our lives? Well, if you'd like to learn more about the Bible study, again, the title is When Wrong Seems Right. It's a kid's Bible study on making good choices. It's by Adam Griffin. And again, Adam is lead pastor of Eastside Community Church in Dallas, Texas. This book, you will find it at moodybooks.org. You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life.